0: Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show that looks at the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week, 2022 begins with the same old questions. So how do we solve whatever is wrong with VAR? There seem to be a few things here from agreeing what the problem is in the first place to making the system work better on the whole, because let's face it, it seems very unlikely the whole thing is going to be tossed in the bin. So We're live on Twitter tonight. I'd love your thoughts on this as we go through the weekend's decisions with former FIFA referee and ex-head of the PGMOL key packet. Evening, Keith, and a very happy new year.
1: Uh, Same to you, Mike. Uh, Good evening and uh, welcome to our listeners. Uh, Delighted that they're finding time to tune in.
0: Now, tonight is clearly going to be dominated by VAR, but before we go on, uh, I wanted to start with an email that arrived from Russia, Keith. Uh, now, the sender of this wanted to stay anonymous, which we're very happy to respect. And they said this, I'm a huge fan of Mr Hackett. Always follow all interviews, analysis and materials with his participation. Uh, Keith and Mike, thank you very much for what you're doing. with have seen them given. It's truly precious. Thank you very much for saying that. Um, listening to every episode gives the great feeling of belonging to a global refereeing family, especially. It helps a lot during tough times. I have some questions for Keith. I've picked two of them here because we couldn't do them all. Um, so here's-, here's the first one, Keith. Uh, soon I will need to make a choice whether to develop as a referee or an assistant referee. I'm good at both of these roles and don't have a particular preference. Considering the trend of decreasing respons- responsibilities of assistant referees due to BAR and the progress of semi-automated offside technology in the game, I-, I tend to choose the role in the middle. But I'm still not sure. What can you advise me in this matter? So that's the first one. And the second question, a huge part of redevelopment is self-analysis, which can be effectively done by reviewing matches. However, on the grassroots level, where I am now, 90% of the games are not covered by video footage. My access to observers and mentorship is almost absent. What would be your advice on how to self-analyse performances
1: and develop in such a case? i will take those in whatever order you want, Keith. Well, they're, they're, they're fantastic questions. So I think on the first one, I'd go for the middle. Uh, I think there uh, you have the ability that you're in control. Uh, The decisions that you make uh, are yours. Uh, Ultimately, uh, you know, that you're the key decision maker on the field. And for me, I think ideally that is is the satisfactory uh, sort of approach. I have serious doubts now about this scenario where referees and assistant referees have to make this call. You know, I advanced my career uh, going up the leagues, if you like, assistant referee first, then referee, assistant referee on the next league up, and then referee. But that's no longer the case. They have to specialise. So sometimes if, I, I, I generally feel that the assistant referees get to FIFA a little quicker than referees themselves. Perhaps there's less competition. Who knows? Go for the referee in the middle. On the second question, I think it's a great question. I think it's I think it's great that our reader listener is taking time out to look at how he can advance his career. And uh, the first thing is, I'd be happy to send him some presents to through seeing them given that are on body language, are on movement, positioning, etc., to help that process of. Of self improvement. On the self analysis front, I think it's important to do and set smart objectives. Now, smart is single letters: S for specific, M measurable, A achievable, R uh, to to review and and to time. So, what I would suggest that this referee has a diary, and at the end of the game. And maybe even a couple of days later, he reviews his performance himself. And he, he puts it into categories. First of all, application of law. How did he see it out of a mark of 10? What were the negatives? What were the positives? And probably look for three positives and two negatives within, within the application of laws of the game. Now look at movement and positioning and fitness obviously purchase a a, a sports uh, watch that can give you things like speed and distance profiles so it gives you a view as to how you are from a fitness point of view and the effort that you put in then so we're covering the fitness side we're covering the weight the, the you know in terms of body shape etc uh, just think that sometimes 2 kilos overweight that's like running around with a bag of sugar in each hand. Um,
0: I'm running around with a few bags of sugar after Christmas, Keith.
1: Yeah, well, I'm. I'm not. I've, I've watched very. <laughs> I'm glad you have. Most people do, and I, and I think it's. I think it's important to, on a monthly basis, take your weight. Now, then, with this review process that you've gone through, you've gone through application of law. You've gone through uh, the the fitness aspect. Now I want you to look at how you manage the players and then the big decisions. Usually in a game, you've got two or three big decisions. Put a time when those occur and and give a feel. So you've really got to self-analyze but be true to yourself. But I want you to come out of that review process in a positive frame of mind because referees can be introverts that actually look for all the problems and all that was wrong in the performance, rather than actually saying, one, did I enjoy it? Did I contribute to the game and the enjoyment of the players? Did I advance? And refereeing, no matter what level you're at, is peaks and troughs. The Games don't always go the way you want them. Players don't always behave like you want them to behave. And then you've got such things as outside interference, uh, as you grow up the ladder, interference of spectators, that can be a distraction. It can be the state of the field. I know that in, uh, in Russia, it can be extremely cold at times and the pitch surfaces can be almost like concrete. Uh, you know, i I've refereed in Moscow in that stadium with the AstroTurf, the quality of the pitch is excellent, the bounce is clean, but outside, but it was cold. So I think there are many things that a referee can do. In self-analysis, and Mike, if you've got his email, I'm going to send through a few presentations that might help that process.
0: I'll gladly pass those on. And if you want to get in touch with the show during the week, we've got an email address. It's hello at seenthem.co.uk. Uh, right. Well, let's move on to the weekend's Premier League action, Keith. And um, should we start with a game that we've most of us just seen? Uh, absolutely cracking contest between Chelsea and Liverpool, um, which was uh, well a brilliant. Um, but a big decision to be made within 10 seconds of kickoff. off uh, This is Sadio Mane uh, crashing into Aspilicueta, forearm making contact with the head of the Chelsea defender. Uh, Chelsea wanted a red card here. Uh, the referee decided yellow was the correct sanction and VAR didn't get involved. But what did you make of this one, first of all, Keith?
1: I thought this was a straight red. Um, I thought that Sadio Mane had, uh, used his arm an elbow, not to gain elevation, not to gain height. It he crashed into his opponent, elbow leading first. He used that elbow as a weapon and therefore red card. However, let's now analyse it from Anthony Taylor's point of view, who I thought, apart from that one decision, had an excellent match. And it, and it, it was needed this weekend after what we've seen. It shows and demonstrates why, when I was boss of the PGMOL, I introduced a warm-up procedure going out, doing that, if you like, 15 minutes of exercising, get the heart rate up, but also get the brain ticking. And Taylor was off the blocks like he's done before. He's got great vision. Uh, He takes a lot in. He's blown the whistle, and almost immediately you've got this foul challenge. And he's got one chance. He's only got one chance to see what's gone off. I think he did absolutely brilliant in detecting it was an offence that warranted a sanction. But it's easy for me, sat in the armchair, watching several replays, to say, just a minute, Anthony Taylor, actually, you made you got this one wrong, in my opinion, and refereeing often is about opinions, this was a red card offence. Saudi Armani, um endangered the safety of an opponent. He used the arm, arm as, a, as a weapon. Young referees that listen to our show, the detection of that uh, offence... Is whether a, a the player has got a clenched fist. It's a, it's an indicator. It's not the, the, the end of the matter. It's just an indicator that when a clenches a fist, he's using elbow and arm as a as a weapon. In this case, I think other than that, what a fantastic game to watch! Great play, some great goals, uh, some terrific goalkeeping, and some good officiating. It kept the game flowing. It communicated extremely well not influenced by the crowd is you know it's clearly've we've, we've got two world-class referees in in England uh, you know often we talk about the negatives and we'll go on to look at the negatives but but Anthony Taylor and Michael Oliver are miles ahead of our current group of referees and they should be using you know the Chris Cavannas and Craig Porsons who' still to get in my opinion up to the standard required of a Premier League referee, they should be looking at Taylor and Oliver and picking the best bits out of their performances and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what he does. And the first thing that he should do is look at the amount of work rate that these guys put in. Cover a lot of distance. The movement is terrific. They know where they're going. It's all part of a plan. But their aim is to get this viewing angle and proximity to play. And... In a way, this is where Taylor and Oliver are ahead of the
0: pipe. I mean, just to go back to that Mane call, because again, the viewing angle is, is, is clearly hugely important for any decision. Um, but the fact that it's essentially gone to the kickoff, the ball's launched to one side of the pitch. Uh, and I don't know exactly where, if I haven't watched it back, where Anthony Taylor's, um, but immediately he's got to make a, a big call in that uh, split second. And uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's a very challenging moment for him
1: so in that context should he have got some help from var yeah i think that we have got a problem in england with var look it's not var the system it's var the operators there's a a lack of consistency this has to be down to management this has to be down to leadership that says We are going to have these referees in on a regular basis. Remember, it's a Premier League referee can be a referee one day, it's VAR the next, fourth official. Um, And they've got these different uh, roles. And for me, I think the confusion now is that we're dwelling on what is clear and obvious and an inconsistency across the group of referees in terms of what is clear and obvious. Now, for me, I'm suggesting that if a red card and an incident warrants a red card and the referee is given a yellow, I would be calling the referee over and saying, look, please have a look at the monitor. Now, every time a referee looks at the monitor, do, he doesn't have to change his mind. He, Taylor could have looked at this incident and said, I'm going to stay with what I've got. I, I think it's a yellow. I disagree with you. Like it. Keith Hackett later on. Um but I think, in, I think, knowing Anthony Taylor, this is a guy who doesn't like courage. This is a guy who is first-class who, who does have courage. And I think on second look, he would have sent off. So VAR let him down. And VAR this week, as in previous weeks, are not doing the job. I mean, it's not working. It's just not working. And I think the quality of delivery from VARs, when to come in, when not to come in, they're confused. So when we're talking about, just to go back to the language point you made there, clear
0: and obvious, and there not being perhaps a consensus over what that means, do we need to change the language then of what necessitates a review? Yeah. So so the NFL use incontrovertible when they look at videos. If something is incontrovertible, that is when video technology overturns a decision. It, It feels to me like that's a stronger term I mean, if you go you know, completely opposite end of the spectrum, you've got rugby union referees who, at uh, sometimes, if they're not sure, can literally just draw the, the, the imaginary TV picture and, and go straight to uh, the television match official.
1: So it, it, the whole thing between sports sways in a lot of different ways. So uh, football just has to make a choice, doesn't it? Yes, I think it has to make a choice. I think it's made a choice. I think it's just a case of sitting in a room, with all these referees, and, and... Playing out, if you like, a lot of the decisions that they've got wrong and a lot of decisions that they've got right over the over the season and over the last two or three seasons, and and say, right, okay, this is this is where we do want you to intervene. So I think that there's there's, if you like, a light of knowledge that is gained by reviewing past decisions, reviewing decisions made by the MLS, reviewing decisions by the Bundesliga, and then drawing up, if you like. A, a benchmark in terms of if you like where is the line drawn where we think you should come in and at this moment in time you know we started off last season coming in with a benchmark that's quite low and we we had i think undue interference with var and you know we saw goals being scored and then delays until var confirmed. and yes okay it's a goal and we, we were actually taking away some of the enjoyment of the fans whilst we waited for the VAR to confirm the goal was, was OK. Now we've moved from that point. We've moved from by way of discussion, leadership, and discussion with VARs to say, look, whether a goal's not a goal or a goal, it can be done very quickly. Where I think the, 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 the difficulty lies is around challenges, in particular foul challenges, in particular around the penalty area. We have an explanation on holding and pulling from P.J. spokespeople that worry, because what they're saying is, you know, the laws are quite clear. A holding offence is an offence for which a penalty kick or a free kick should be awarded. Then we had, we if you like, a few weeks ago, we had Tyron Ming's incident. His shirt was almost pulled off his back. And some statements saying, well, the player who committed that let go doesn't matter where the leg go. The action of pulling a shirt and tugging at an opponent is an offence. And if the ball's in play and it takes place in the penalty area, it's a penalty kick. So don't overcomplicate the law. Don't use the law as a means of confusion. A simple thing like a pull on a player is an offence. Now, if that player goes down and sometimes there is confusion – from a referee perspective, because players touched, are going to ground comfortably. We've talked about that in the past. But a pull is a pull, and that's a foul. And therefore, in that sense, this is why in the Arsenal Manchester City game, the the foul by Zaka uh, on Silva was rightly punished with a penalty kick. It was a it, you know it was a hold and a trip, and therefore that's a penalty kick. They got it right. No, I wouldn't expect. VAR to come in on that one, because the referees made the call. But it's an opinion sometimes. And so for me, I think we've got to get into a mindset that at some point in the future, if a referee is doubtful about a decision, he can go and check it on the monitor. And it can actually say to VAR, I'm going to take a look. But at the moment, he's waiting for the stimulus to look at that monitor from the VAR. And you know, let let look and think about the referee. When that referee makes a call on the field of play, he genuinely believes that he's made the right decision. Right? And often, he's happy with that. And then all of a sudden, he's got in his ear somebody saying, you need to have a little look. Have another look. And if you think that what you did first time round is correct, then stick with it. If not, change your mind. And if the VAI suggests it's a penalty kick, give the penalty. Now, I don't think the referees got to a bigger problem here. I think it's back to the referee who is now a VAR. And I just worry about the relationship between VAR and referee. Referee one day, VAR the next. Very experienced referee in the middle, a young first-year referee on the Premier League in VAR. I think those relationships need to be considered more carefully, I should say we'd very much welcome your suggestions. If you're listening
0: uh, right now, as to you know how VAR can be improved. Um, and while we're talking about this Arsenal Man City game in particular, um, the other thing that Arsenal were very unhappy about, and in fact, I wonder if uh, uh, someone I'm going to bring in here probably wants to make this point. So I'm just going to add this uh, score guy in as a uh, as a speaker here. But um, there was the challenge on Odegaard. Um, there was no review the, the referee wasn't asked to go over the monitor and Arsenal certainly felt that should have been the case key yeah. on that particular of the challenge.
1: And were they right in, in making that argument? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that was, a, that was a, as I've said, that was a penalty kick. Uh, I think that uh, the goalkeeper made contact with Adegaard first. We've got to get away from the basis that he played the ball, so whatever he does afterwards is OK. That, you can't use the ball as a decoy. We've said that before. But on this occasion, I think the goalkeeper on the angle I saw was very clear. He fouled bodyguard, uh, It was a penalty kick. I, I just was staggered that the referee. I waited for the VAR coming in. I sort of saying, well, you, you're going to come in, mate. He didn't. Uh, and so I think that uh, uh, Jarrod Gillett, who's normally extremely reliable, uh, let Stuart Atwell down. Um, and we, we finished up with Arsenal. Claiming that they wanted a penalty, and I am saying quite specifically they should have had a penalty that would kick.
2: Score guy, you are on mute at the moment, but if you want to come in,
1: hi, yeah, sorry, I've just literally
2: just come into this now. Um, I think this is we're at a bit of a um a moment now with VIR after yesterday. Um, I think we've we've met we've 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 reached a level now where it's it's being openly discussed in all forms of the media. And I think this is uh, this is a turning point. And I think something's going to happen over the next few games. If you look at Vieira's reaction in the Palace games, well, I think there's something really building within the, um, the managers and also within the media that this needs to be. There's no consistency, as Keith was just saying. There's no consistency whatsoever in the Premier League. And I think when people are paying good money and I think the sort of... The elephant in the room here, which is what a lot of people discuss about, is the way that football has become showbiz. It's become the Amazon Netflix series. And I really think that a lot of people I know myself in particular feel that this is a bit of a Truman show. And it's like there's almost like a controlling factor to create moments within games. I was chatting to someone earlier today and I remember, I mean, I'm I'm a man of a certain age and I remember. We you didn't really know who the referees were. They were just called referees. They <clears throat> were never they were never named. I know Keith, you know, I think you're probably the first person I ever knew was a referee. Um, but it was always the ref said this, the ref said that. If you look at the amount of num- names that, you know, the, the the various refs, and I'm not going to start mentioning them, but the various refs that go around and and, and and you know officiate the different games every week, it's the same people and they've built up the same history with players and with media and with teams and I think it all needs to be broken and I think that is one of the problems we've got here because we can all go in now analyse look back on you know there's rumours about who supports what and I know that's all rubbish and I know they're impartial and they do a fantastic job but I feel that because there's such a small pool of referees I feel that every week it's like oh who's your referee oh we're not going to win this one then and and that's very much football. If you ask any football fans, they really start to believe that now. And I think games, there's there's that real sense of um of games being broken because of the because of the um the way they're being and, and in particular, obviously VAR just adds to it because it's the same guys that are behind the scenes that are on the pitch or whatever. I think it's it's all down to complacency. But also, Keith, can I just say, um and I, I think you're listening at the moment. Um yes. but um yeah, I had the privilege of photograph I'm a photographer myself, and I photographed you i've just been sitting here thinking over 30 years ago i did a black and white portrait of you when i think you used to have a kitchen company or something or other or bathrooms or something is that right a long 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 time ago Mm -hmm. i I spent i spent an afternoon with you and very you were very very pleasant and i just remembered that it's one of those things dark in the in the recess of my memory and um yeah i remember meeting you i thought how pleasant you were but um i just think i think it's great now with social media that we can all discuss these things um, and I think um in particular I know a lot of Arsenal fans and i was i was chatting to a lot last night we we' we're, we're very deep we are deeply concerned that come the tottenham game which is our next premier league game we do not want bad refereeing or bad VAR to destroy what is the most important game of our season and there's going to be a little bit of an undercurrent building up to that game through social media to try and force who try and force the situation here because I know from from the game yesterday, the uh, the the anger that came out of that game. I'm just I'm just feeling that there's so many things now. There's so many players that are getting away with it. There's so many mistreatment of things, such as when Man City were able to score that that scored the winning goal and went and celebrated literally in the in the family um, family enclosure today. Um, when that was at Leeds the other day, um, when Saka wanted to go and celebrate, he was told not to go to the side of the pitch because something happened. And why is it that uh, Roderick was allowed to run over and almost in- jump in into family enclosure? You yeah. know, I, what, I get, should it point out he
0: was booked for that. I, I, yeah, doesn't, doesn't, excuse what does he doesn't did. Matter.
2: I understand that. I understand he was booked for it. He took. His, he was booked for taking his shirt off. Let's get this right, okay? That's what he was booked for, okay? But he went over, and obviously the the particularly particularly during COVID times, for, for that sort of that sort of celebration to go into a crowd. To create that stuff, I think it's. I think it's. Inc- but listen, there's so many things I could. I could pick up from that game. Yeah. It was just one of those things I've mentioned. Anyway, guys, listen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull back now. Thank you so much for for bringing me on here and let me say my piece. Uh, Keith, uh, God bless you, sir. Um, really good to hear you on here. And I'm gonna pull back and uh, see what everybody else has got to say. And Mike, thanks very much for uh, for letting me have my have my words. Cheers. A pleasure then.
0: to everyone. Thanks for thanks Thank for joining the conversation, Keith. There's a lot to get into there. But one interesting thing about that is actually just the. Um, The drama is probably the wrong word, but uh, the storylines that get built around the fact that referee X, Y, or Z is about to do game X, Y, or Z. And the Premier League obviously announce these things. It's normally on a Monday or a Tuesday, isn't it? Sorry, I'm I'm getting my days mixed up. Ahead of the weekend's games. And actually, it's one way of alleviating some of the problems of, of fans going, oh, no, we've got this guy this weekend. It's just not to announce it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, there's actually there's there's not a buildup of of drama and storyline in that particular occasion because people just aren't told. I mean, it, it's it's I can hear people go, "Well, what about transparency?" But at the
1: same time, I don't know what you lose there. I think that there's clearly they could do that. There's there's not an issue with that. I mean, it's quite easy that when Mike Riley does the appointments uh, on on the over the weekend, probably, and then on a Monday morning uh, to to uh, delay the announcement and then just make it the clubs that are aware rather than the public. Um, I, I think that um, there were some interesting points there from score guy. Um, I think that he's right. I, th- I think that the first base of the arguments, if you like, and the discussion is that the standard of our refereeing across the group at the moment, the 20 plus referees is frankly not good enough. Now, okay, we're living in a different world from when I refereed. When I refereed, there were pro- probably three cameras at a game. Now there's a minimum of 22. But, you yeah. know, score guy was right. Uh, when I was refereeing at the top level, it, it was a hobby. Um, I got paid, in the latter end of my career, £35 a game. Um, but I was also a director of a, of a kitchen company. So I had that, that work balance ethic we didn't have professional referees. Uh, And as a result, 56 referees were available to referee, if you like, those 10 uh, Premier League games when it first started. Now we've got 20 referees and half of those, you know, several of them have had less, in a a 19-week programme, are still at six games. So some of those referees are not being utilised and a lot is being put on the, the likes of Oliver Taylor, Tierney, Uh, and a few others Um, there's no doubt that television exposes uh, as the media exposes refereeing but I do think that we're making basic errors and and I do think clearly as I've been saying now for three years since the introduction I mean let's go back a little bit the Premier League, the PGMOL the governing body of refereeing if you like in in England, the the professional level the PGMOL decided not to go with VAR. Then, in the, in the year that they introduced it, they decided that they would use the monitor sparingly, all against, if you like, the trials and tribulations that IFAB and FIFA, the governing bodies of football, had gone through in their trials. And so we started doing it. We're not going to accept how other countries are doing it. We're going to be different. And I don't think there's been a buy-in by the PGM to even achieve getting this thing right. So I'm clear now. I think that I've given a lot of thought. If I was the boss again, what would I do? Well, I'd have a clear out, first of all, and that's easier said than done because these guys are at work and employees. You have to go through specific business profiles. But if a manager doesn't do well with his team, he gets moved on. And at the moment, I think whoever's running it, and we know that's Mike Riley, probably needs to be moved on because he's not delivering the quality of officiating that we, we as a, a fan base or as a game base, require, we've got a world-class league, but we ain't got world-class refereeing. So there are two things that I would consider. One, if we're short of quality, let's bring some in. Why, why did Plattenberg go to Saudi Arabia and follow Howard Webb and then on to China? Yes, money, but also they, they recognise that expertise, we bring it in. Um, that's one thing. We could bring in one or two top class European referees on an ad-hoc basis to get them to fill in the gap whilst we get our refereeing up to standard. But let's just focus, I think, on VAR. It's remote, it's at Stockley Park. It's a building that nobody's seen, done. It doesn't speak. Occasionally, it comes out with uh, a Premier League spokesman says, and spokesman is wrong in law quite often so you know from my perspective I go cracky you better keep your mouth shut you're, you're making it the game look stupid I've got to the point where teamwork is the answer and the only way you get teamwork is to actually take the show on the road create an office or a room in every in every ground every Premier League game a ground create the video technology within that room and then at the game, the referee, the assistant referees, the VAR and the AVAR meet. They walk on the pitch, they get a feel of the atmosphere, they get an understanding of the game, whatever ground they're at. They chat to each other. One goes, a group goes on to the pitch, and the other two go on to VAR operations in the room. And at half time, they can come together and have a cup of tea and have a chat. And at full time, they can do the same. They review. It becomes, if you're a team environment, and a team accountability. So I think it's got to change. You know, we we saw today BAR deciding not to come in because of the confusion around clear and obvious. You know, it's obvious to me that Saudi Oman should have gone, or I am putting doubt in people's minds as to whether it should be red or yellow, and Anthony Taylor might still think it's yellow. What's the him going to the, to the monitor? Stop the... Uh, B.A.R. saying, look, you need to have a look at that one. And if if Anthony Taylor then says, "I'm staying with the yellow," most fans will buy into that. This might disagree, continue, but they will say, "Well, there's a process." But at the moment,
0: there's acceptability. The Referees sometimes talk about selling the decision, don't they? And and and, yeah.
1: and and that would sell it. Yes, it would. And it and 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 I think that uh, what <laughs> you know. I've talked in the past on our shows about Nigel Owens the rugby union referee who recently retired and and I listened to him very carefully about what he said about Tmo and one of the things that he highlighted was that tmo bred lazy referees remember he was one at the time and <laughs> got used to the system and how to use it we've had three years we should be using that system but we've now got referees who see a penalty in front of them and don't give it and and the big the big problem I have and, and Score Guy touched on it and that is you know on, on a lot of my social inputs I'm getting fans saying the integrity of the referee is in question you know and that can never be the case mm-hmm. and then I mean, yeah. you know I'm never going to question the integrity of the referee I don't live in Cuckoo land we have a reputation uh, what we have is at times incompetence. What we have is human error. And therefore, I think a lot of this can be, if you like, reviewed and developed. I think the frustration that I say, and you know, you've had Mark Halsey on this show, and I listened to other referees of my era, we're frustrated by the fact that we don't see improvements. We, 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 it's static in its operation every week. There's errors every week. Just go and have a look at the vid- the video monitor and get get the decision right. And
0: Stand by uh, Mick, by the way. We'll bring you in, in a second. Uh, Keith, I just want to bring in Chris because we've had uh, an Arsenal fan on. I feel we should um, uh, sort out the uh, divide in-, in North London as well. Chris, if you uh, take yourself off mute and, uh, and join the Uh-oh. conversation, what do you want to say tonight? Yeah, hi, Mike. Um,
3: yeah, interesting debate. First of all, for context, um, as a referee of 15 years, and I, I used to work full-time in in referee training and education. So I've got a couple of points to make. The first one was the score guy, which is, um, I know he's not on anymore, but uh, to reassure him that it's not just Arsenal fans who think there's are against them. And uh, (laughs) as a Spurs fan and the couple of decisions we've seen in Tottenham games lately, it does drive me up the wall slightly, but it's the nature of football fans that they think there's an agenda against their team. Um, Clouds the discussion somewhat, and I think it's important that people like Keith and those who are more just sort of referee-focused can kind of separate the actual issues from some of the noise that the fans invariably make through their sort of looking through things in a partisan way. Um, Keith just covered actually one of my main points on VAR, which I I find a bit frustrating. So going back to Arsenal decision, uh, the penalty, the non-penalty, my initial thoughts when I saw it in real time was was that the keeper had played the ball because the the ball clearly goes off a different angle. There's a couple of replays that suggest slightly different things. So from behind the goal line, it looks as though he has played the ball. And then there's an angle from sort of the, the, the touchline from the, where it looks on through the player's leg. Um, ultimately, I'd agree with Keith. I think it's a penalty. Whether it's clear or obvious, I think is the funder, one yeah. of many key problems. Because what we've got is you've got a VAR official now looking at a replay, not thinking, is it a foul? But they're actually judging it by a different set of criteria, which, which brings up the possibility, and maybe this was the case in this replay, or this uh, when he's looking at this replay, this incident where he thinks, well, it is a foul. But it's not clear and obvious enough to correct the decision on the field. I find that utterly bizarre approach that we've actually added in an additional layer of complexity, which I don't think needs to be there. Uh, and the sending across, I think, at the moment of the officials to the to the monitors is an absolute nonsense because they only go, as I understand it, and Keith and no I better than me, um, they can only go, be told to go when they feel there's been a clear and obvious mistake. Therefore, you're going over to judge it not impartially with a replay of thinking, well, this could go either way, but you are going thinking already, well, you know, someone in Stockley Park told me it's wrong. So I think Keith kind of just made this point, but I'm kind of just sort of backing it up. that that's just crazy. Why do we not let the referees, if, if they're looking at a replay and think, is there any possibility that the referee may come to a different decision based on viewing a replay? Let him go with, with, no, with no kind of thoughts in his head that, you know, the guy in Stockley Park thinks I'm wrong. Just go and have another look at it. Make your own mind up yourself. And I think the more that did that and actually stuck to their own decision, the more credibility they would get through it. At the moment, that whole system is just a farce. Uh, Chris, I don't, can don't I ask what you time. think of
0: the idea, because often of this gets brought up from other sports, the idea of of challenges, making it a more adversarial Yeah, I mean, in which a manager can say, I want you to look at that again. And you can do that maybe so many times a
3: game, once.
4: Yeah, um, and I, if I you... mean,
3: to, two of the changes I, I would make is I would let the referee, first of all, choose to go and have a view of it you know, for my, believe it or not, the referees want to make a right decision. So when they see something, and you're not always, people know this better than most on here, that you're not actually 100% certain a lot of the time. A lot of it's gut feeling, um, you know, you'll be 90% certain or something. So most referees, I think, would value, if they know they're not fully sure, would like to go and have another view. Um, because they, right, they don't want to get things wrong. So first of all, I'd give the referee the opportunity to review it himself if he wants to. But secondly, I don't think there's any problem with having a, a possibility. I think the clubs would feel it was fairer if they had a sort of review system like in cricket, give them one opportunity a half where the referee doesn't want to have a look at it again because he thinks he's made the right decision, but the clubs disagree and actually say, kind of force the referee, I guess, with one appeal to go and look at the decision again. And if the referee sticks to it, well, at least they feel they've had a fairer shout of it because the referee's had one chance to, to look at it again. I would like to see that trial. I don't think you could just bring that straight in at Premier League level, but I don't see the harm in trying. Um, but a lot of these things, and the final point I'd make, Uh, Keith and I disagreed slightly on a thread on Twitter recently about whether they should be interviewed after the game I'm not a believer in that but what I do think if you have an open mic like they do in rugby and you can hear the explanations I don't think it's a neat to interview them after the game it would be a lot clearer and I think people sometimes they're still going to be wrong right? that's just human nature they're going to make wrong decisions but if you can hear the process of how they get to it I think people would buy into it a little bit more at the moment it's so unclear how they get into the decisions and I think that's causing a lot of the problems Chris, Chris I, some great points. Was, I think that
1: was brilliant. I think you're absolutely spot on about the way you've explained the Arsenal incident, which is hundred percent correct. And I think you, you again I agree with you in, in, in its entirety that it's a foul. And it, and it doesn't matter whether it's clear and obvious, it is a foul and it should have been a penalty kick. And I think that that explanation was absolutely spot on. I think in terms of in post-match interviews. You're right. I, what I what I was trying to do was open up the door to actually say, look, our referees are good communicators across the board. Uh, I've worked with them. I've listened to them. I, I had when I introduced the communication kits into refereeing years ago. I had the facility to be able to listen into referees, and 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 it was really helpful from a manager's point of view, from my point of view, to be able to listen in. And so I again share your view, and I've said it for a number of years now that uh, we should listen in to what referees are saying. We should certainly listen in and be able to listen in to the conversation between referee and VAR, even if that's a halfway out. We should be able to listen into that because then we get back to that terminology of selling a decision. And you know, one of the things to add is that yes, you are sometimes eighty percent certain that what you're giving is is correct, maybe even 90%. But you haven't got the view sometimes that's afforded the television viewer, that's afforded the fan. You've got one pair of eyes, you're trying to chase the ball down, you're in, you know, you're not in the greatest position. The viewing angle might be slightly impaired. and another angle gives you a complete view. And therefore, I think the process, if it was more transparent, if it operated in that way, that a referee can go to the screen and have a look that we get away from what is termed clear and obvious. Now, look, if I was the boss of the PGMOL, and I would say in discussion with my referees, let's, let's not work to that criteria. We, we we can say it's clear and obvious. We're going to do what I mean as clear and obvious. It's a foul or it's not a foul. You judge it as a foul, you don't judge it as a foul. So I think that it, it, it sounds simple. It is capable. You're not, you know... The flex thing, I can remember when I introduced communication kit. FIFA said no. But we said, it's such an a, a, a great addition to refereeing and it improved the performance of officials and decision-making. We're staying with it, mate. And I think the, the Premier League and the PGMOL ought to be able to advance the cause of VAR to impre- improve the outcomes. Because at the moment, if I was an Arsenal fan or I was the Arsenal manager sat watching that, and I know it's a penalty kick, and Numerous referees I've spoken to have said it's a penalty kick. Uh, you know, Chris, as a, as, a, as a former referee and a, a referee trainer to say it's a penalty kick, it's a penalty kick, but Arsenal didn't get it. It's a major error in a big game. You can't afford those level of errors. Chris, thanks very much
0: indeed for, for getting involved in the show. There is another Chris standing by, um, but I want to bring in Mick next. Uh, Mick, take yourself off mute and, and, and thanks very much for being with us. What do you want to say this evening? Thanks, Mike.
5: Um,
4: I've only got just a couple of things. I, like To add, uh, I think I'm the only one who thinks that the Arsenal award yesterday was actually correct. I think Erdogan actually kicks the goalkeeper as opposed to the goalkeeper actually kicking Erdogan because the ball is actually free to be got by the goalkeeper and the player. So for me, that was more of glass half empty than glass half empty. Full. I was an Arsenal fan, which I'm not. I would have been uh, totally in uproar about it. Um, Good the point. The two points, yeah. The that's two it. points I'd actually like to make actually are: yeah. Why don't we have two referees, one in each half? That would slightly make it easier um, because it wouldn't have to cover too much uh,
1: ground. I'd like to, uh, Keith. that uh, actually ever been discussed. Well, let me, let me come in on, on, on the first point. I think that the shortfall here is that Anton, uh, the, the referee in the Arsenal game uh, was not asked to go and review that penalty decision. If it, uh, Whatever the outcome is, right, and, and you say it's not a penalty, uh, that's, that's an opinion and, I, you know, we might have a discussion on that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the referee on the day uh, didn't get the opportunity to have another look to actually then sell the decision to Arsenal fans. If if he's gone and had a look and said, no, I'm sticking with it, it's not a penalty kick, Odegaard did this or that, there's justification in what he's done. But because it's exposed, and and because there's confusion around, or appears to be confusion, around clear and obvious, then there was no review. Yet on another penalty kick in the same game, there was a review. So it's that inconsistency that causes problems. Two referees in the game, just like hockey. Um, this was an experiment that was run several years ago in Italy, um, and it caused a bit of chaos, and uh, because it was introduced without the due care and attention it, it, it required. And what you had was, in you get, you had one referee in one half of the field of play, awarding a penalty kick in the other half. Believe it or not, and, <laughs> oh, and, and, and you know, <laughs> argument persisted in. They dropped, they dropped the experiment. They, they literally dropped the experiment. You know, when you're when you considering other uh, sports, I, I always think, you know, I learned a lot listening in to rugby union referees. I don't know the game, but I watched the game now and I watched it then. Uh, I don't know the nuances of it, but I learned from the referees and I gained great respect uh, of the referees. That you know, uh, Wayne Barnes, and who's a terrific referee, Nigel Owens was retired. The French guys, the Aussies, there's some outstanding referees. They're in the, the, the mind's eye. Every time there's an international game, one of those guys get it. I think we've got, in the Premier League, we've got three referees. who are, And out of that 20, we've got s- several referees who are nine games only. In, in what is in effect now, is a 20-match programme. So they've not had many games in that sense. They're not getting consistent consistent appointments. And practice makes perfect. So what we've got is we've got the usual names. Now, look, I'm, I'm all for the guy. The, the referee in form gets the first appointment. So a guy out of 19 weeks' programmes, 15 has gone to Michael Oliver, 14 to Anthony. So you're seeing those two guys more than you are, say, Craig uh, eight and nine so we are seeing referees regularly the same faces and I can assure you that if you make a major error it sticks with you for the rest of the year just ask West Ham fans. yeah and we know then, <laughs> every time I play, then fans are never a to go at me and I've then got to buy, buy a sink Tony Gale off like a long long time ago what was your other point 30 years dude. ago but I won't bring it
4: up my <laughs> <laughs> other so yeah. Um, and Danny,
1: is the nature yeah, of. The actually,
4: I thought that was a sending off, actually, the Tony girl one. I actually thought that was a off myself. so
1: Yeah, well, great. I think you're on your own. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't think
4: I'm on my own, but they're not going to tell you that, are they?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Look, I, for passion. my
4: other point is accountability. Everybody who goes to a game of football, uh, to, uh, a fan, uh, the player, the managers, the backroom staff, even the guy who sells you your sausages—they're all accountable. If they do something wrong, um, they have to pay a price. Yes. Yeah. Why aren't the referees accountable? It, it doesn't have to be in shape or form of an interview after, but they, they seem to be the only untouchable people. A...
1: Yeah. I think I think you make a very good point. Um, look, um, when I was the boss of the PGMOL. I made it quite clear that we were, we were moving into professional refereeing and I was the 21st manager of the, football, of the Premier League and I would operate in similar may, in a similar way. And I can assure you and records will show you that uh, I demoted people like Andy Dursa, a very confident referee but struggled at Premier League level. Uh, Clyde Wilkes, I, I also demoted him. Uh, Matt Messias, a referee who was at that point an, an international referee. Uh, we came to an agreement and he left refereeing completely that was the level of accountability not to hang these guys but to actually say look as an employer you have a responsibility to work with those people with your employees to improve their performances and offer as much support and advice when I was a referee I ran round the pitch no one gave me any advice I just went round and round and round the pitch we brought sports scientists, sports psychologists, vision scientists, dietitians, all into the process to a degree. And what we see is we, we see errors uh, and nothing being said. And sometimes to, trying to justify an error when, okay, I'm an expert in the laws of the game. They are also. But they don't, they don't come out and actually admit that they're making an error. Or they actually say, look, <clears throat> We reviewed this. We're having another look at it. We need to improve the communication between Stockley Park and the referee. Um, and you know, if I was a referee, and I'll be honest, and I've got a VAR, and I'm working with a VAR, and that VAR lets me down, I'm on the phone to him. I'm, you know, I've watched it on much of the day, and I've seen him letting me down, and I'm going on the phone and saying, I don't want to work with you anymore, mate. And I'd be saying to Mike Riley, I don't want to work with that guy anymore. He's useless. So there's got to be some honest debate uh, but then Riley has to and his, his team of coaches have to educate improve the standard of performance of the match officials in that group there is no accountability at the moment you can have Mick, a bad game, bad game the following day Mick thanks for getting involved uh, in in the program tonight um got a
0: couple more requests to add people in let's speak to Chris uh, Chris thanks very much for, for being with us um what would you like to say tonight
5: good evening. Uh, thanks for letting me speak. Um, Just for a bit of background, I'm a, a referee myself, returned to refereeing this season after a five-year break, but I've also covered professionally the Bundesliga since VAR was implemented in that league. I think it was the first top-flight league in Europe that yeah. used it. Um, yeah. And it went through initial teeth and troubles. Um, for someone who watches the Premier League, I've just found it astounding for the Premier League to make all those same teeth and troubles. So my first point would be, There didn't seem to be any look at the other leagues that have used it and and say, right, how can we make sure this doesn't happen? But then the second one is, um, and Keith, apologies if you've already said this, but there's an exceptionally high bar in the Premier League. So you're talking about the Odegaard penalty. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? I can categorically state to you 100% that the referee is sent to the screen there if that's a Bundesliga game. There's, there's, there's no clear and obvious error. Yeah. Um, although that is in the laws of the game, it has to be clear and obvious error. It's part of the VAR protocol. What's deemed as a clear and obvious error in in the Bundesliga by the head of the DFB referees who look after all the the referees for the DFL, the first the first yeah. two, um, they are. Has there been a mistake made? Was that a foul? If the potentials for yes, the referee sent to use the on field review. Now there was a point in Germany where they were using the on field review too much, um, yeah. and so they they drew that back in, and then they weren't using it. Um, so they went back out. Funnily enough, we've seen the Premier League go through the same thing. But my question is, why is the bar so high in the Premier League when you compare it to the bar that's set for Spain or Germany or Italy or indeed any UEFA competition? And Keith, I may have chatted you about this the other day on Twitter, but Michael Oliver, for instance, if he's on a VAR screen, he will, re- he will suggest a review um, for a UEFA Champions League game, but he won't suggest that same review for a Premier League game. So where does the high bar come in? Because for me, a referee can't be saying, yeah, let's, we, we should have another look at that on a Wednesday, but then not on a Saturday.
1: Yeah, spot on. You're absolutely spot on. I mean, uh, let's, I'll, I'll just add to that as well and, and say that whilst uh, in the MLS, they don't come out and make statements immediately after the game, what they do is every week, the guy in charge of VAR operations a weekly review show. And so they run through it and people educate and they inform. And you're you're absolutely right. I I mean, I I get frustrated by the fact, as a former UEFA uh, referee expert and, um, you know, a member of the assessing panel, it's painfully obvious that you actually look around the world and you learn from others. But it's almost like an insular, we're English, so whatever we do, we're right. And I think you've, ex- you've explained it absolutely brilliantly. And that is the bar is set too high. The, the balance was last year they were coming in on everything and everybody was getting upset. Uh, now they've gone the other way. The pendulum swung the other way. And I, all we have to do is, is it a foul? Is it not a foul? You know, it, and, and allow a bit of freedom and allow a bit of common sense. But I think that the guys are going into Stockley Park. They're trying to be perfect. And I think sometimes they're putting themselves in the shoes of the man in the middle, and the man in the middle is saying, I don't want VAR to interfere. But in reality, he's part of a team. You know, I, I look at, when I left the ship, um, we had a group of world-class assistant referees who operated superbly. We, we operated so good that we, we were assistant referees at the World Cup final. Can, Malarkey, Shaw. Turner, Warren, these were these were guys who were regarded as absolutely the pinnacle of success. And under our system in, in England, we're seeing almost the demotion of the assistant referee who is there and given the name of assistant referee to help the process. It's almost like, well, that hot potato's out in the middle. It's you, Mr. Reeve. Referee's got to make the call. I'm not interfering because you don't want me to. And by the way, I'm not interfering because VAR will pull you out of the mire. And we've got referees who are thinking, is it a penalty kick? Is it not a penalty kick? Hesitant and thinking the, the VAR will come in and pull me out of the mire And therefore, this is, it's back to leadership. It's back to actually the boss of the PGM saying, look, I'm unhappy. I need to improve. We've got to get this system right. We've got to operate it right. And, you know, do what other countries have done. They've had, Greg Bark is the name of the guy who runs the MLS, VAR. He's had them in. I mean, I shared a conference in Portugal last year where the Bundesliga VAR boss, the American MLSBR, the Spanish guys who ran the VARs were at that conference giving their input. And it was to the, it was to all the Portuguese referees. It was to all the Portuguese clubs and managers. It was transparent. They were explaining the difficulties they'd gone through. That helped the process in Portugal Where, you know, occasionally they have the errors, as they do in in the Bundesliga, but they have far less than we have in this country.
0: Chris, thanks so much for making that point. I'm really glad you did. Uh, Just before you go, for those of us who don't get to watch the Bundesliga an awful lot, and in my case, I'm lucky even if I get to watch the Klassiker, to be perfectly honest with you. uh, Given that you get to live in the future and see what VAR is like, uh, what in the trajectory for the Premier League has been pretty similar, it seems, to what it's been like in Germany. What does the future look like for VAR in the Premier League? Then, is there is there
5: hope for us? Yeah, I think there is hope. Obviously, you know. It's not a it's not a wonderful system in in Germany. Like anyway, and it's subjective at the end of the day. You only have to look at Jude Bellingham just being fined thirty thousand pounds for saying that a ref corrupt. So yeah. if they do have them still with not getting big decisions um, occasionally. But the whole process just seems a little smoother. So, for instance, in the, in England, we, we look at has Bar come in? Is it a decision? It's pretty much taken um, as granted now in Germany that if Bar interjects, then um, it's for a reason, and that reason is is, is a pretty good one. There's not been that many instances where um, VAR's come in or hasn't come in when it should have done. And as Keith just mentioned, when it does, when it does go wrong, um, the the DFB are quite happy to come out and say, "Yep, you know, it's not going to help the teams now." But VAR should have came in there. It was a clear and obvious error. There was a foul, you know, by the defender on the attacking team. It, it was a clear penalty. It should have been given, um, or it should have been reviewed at least. And, th- and that does happen. I know we get that in this country, but I think it's hidden away somewhere on the Premier League website. I think either Chris Boy or Dermot Gallagher write it every week and nobody really gets to see it. But Keith is spot on it. It's about education. The referees in Germany do come out occasionally and say why. They speak to Sky afterwards. It's not live. They speak to Sky reporters who then say, actually, we spoke to the referee and they've said X, Y, and Z. I'm in favour of that, but I've also seen Felix Birch throw Bibiana Steinhaus under a bus and she then can't, yeah. um, she then can't respond to that. He said, I would have given that penalty to be AAR's fault. She didn't come in at the right time. You know, had I seen, had they been given another view, would have given it. So, you know, referees are going to throw each other under the bus all the time, I think. Um, just like, as you know, we're told all the time. And, and I think, Keith, this might be a problem in, in the UK You mentioned, or in England, especially, you mentioned assistance there. Um, you know, as a referee, and I've, I've run the line for higher qualified, no one likes a busy assistant. I want first bite on that penalty. I want second bite on that penalty. Only come in afterwards if I'm wrong in law, if it's subjective, I don't want to know about it. So I think that's, you know, I've had plenty of briefs as an assistant like that pre-much brief. Wouldn't give that pre-much brief myself. Um, you know, instantly turns me off and I'm like, okay, mate, you're out there on your own. But back to your original question, I'm hoping that you know the Premier League can learn from yeah. it. It just it depends whether it does. So far, it's learned very, very slowly. Um, yeah. I don't think we've got a problem with officials. I think officials make mistakes. Of course, they do. The human and humans will always make an error. But it's the process. It's the high bar that doesn't enable those mistakes to be rectified at the moment, I think, which is killing VAR in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, Chris, some great
5: points. Thank you. And really glad to hear, by the way, that you're back
0: refereeing as well. Uh, that, yeah. is, uh, that is great to hear. Um, we've got a few minutes left, left Keith. So uh, should we bring in James? Uh, sorry, yeah. Ben. Uh, ben, I apologies. Uh, good evening. What do you want to say tonight?
4: That's all right, Thanks for ha- having me. Um, I don't know if this has been touched on already, but quickly, I just want to ask Keith, um, do you have an issue with more senior referees um, overriding what the less senior referees do? What I mean by that, hmm. do we get Mike Dean on VAR, who is more inclined, involved with um, a less senior referee on the field, uh, and then the other way, and vice versa? So you get Mike Dean on the field, for, this is just an example, and then you get a less senior referee, say Darren England or something, Chris Kavanagh. Are they less inclined to get involved? And would it be different
1: if the roles
5: were reversed?
1: I think you're absolutely spot on. I think there is a relationship problem. Uh, you know, uh, we had that to some degree some years ago between referees and assistant referees. And then what we did was we decided to have a team ethic. We, we had the same assistant referees running with the same referee week in, week out to develop a, a team accountability. I think there is a problem. I think I think that some of, the, some of the guys probably don't want the VAR coming in to help because they feel that it, it's undermining them. I mean, the core issue is that VAR is introduced to improve the quality and accuracy of decision-making. Now, in football, it's all about opinion, and we're, we're never going to get a total agreement. What we're trying to do is we're trying to improve the big decisions, and it, it's those big decisions that are game changers. The penalty kicks, the red cards, all that goes with it, that can impact on the game. And we want the team of officials to operate as a team and to have trust in one another. And I I do think that some of the younger guys come in on those opening games and they're working with with a, a very experienced There's a reluctance to come in. There's a reluctance to say, I think you've got that wrong. Or have a look at the screen. When in fact, working in a room and talking to these guys and saying, look, the ultimate aim is we've got to get an improvise, We've got it. These are the areas that are concerning us. And it's about discussion. It's about education, it's about trying to break down the barriers. Ultimately, you know, I, I can go back to my time when one referee said, get on with this guy. He's, he's just, I just see him as hopeless. And I'm sorry, what are you going to do about it, Keith? That's so simple. I'm going to change him. You're not going to have to put up with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, you know, we'll, we'll develop a, a, a working relationship. And, you know, I've listened in to people like Howard Webb when he was refereeing and Darren can his assistant referee. And the, the relationship of trust between each other, where, you know, Howard, you need to have another look at that. I think this is before VAR. Howard, you need to have another look at that. I think that was, a, you know, I think that's a nailed-on penalty kick, mate. I would say sure and there'd be a discussion. Now that's been a line, but I've listened to those conversations. I don't think those conversations are taking place. I think that I think there's VAR saying, oh, I better not go in here. I'll make it even more difficult. And then we've got we've got the difficulty of today, where you've got Saudi Omain, who in my opinion should have been sent off. I would have liked not necessarily for Saudi Omain to be sent off, but to, for Anthony Taylor to take another look. Because I'm saying to him, Anthony, from where I'm viewing, I think he's used his arm and elbow as a weapon. He needs to walk. Or I need to be saying to the referee in the in the, the Arsenal game, look, I think you need to review that. It looks like a penalty kick to me. Don't say, Oh, because it's not clear and obviously I'm not coming in. If he had looked at that challenge, Edison on Odegaard, I need a walk and said, I'm satisfied it's not a penalty kick even i would feel much better than seeing a glare what i consider to be a glaring error not activated by a system of referee and var and we walk away with the game if you like being affected by a major decision which i personally think is wrong
0: Ben, thanks very much for your question. Really appreciate you. getting thank involved you. The thank show you. tonight. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who's got involved uh, this evening, Keith. It's been a real eye-opener for me. Some really great questions uh, in the show as well. If you've missed any of it, by the way, this will be available as a podcast. And you find it by searching for Seen Them Given, wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you subscribe, you get the show every single week without having to do a single thing. There is one more thing, though, Keith. Uh, and this is something that um, you wanted to do, and it would be interesting to see what the results are of this. We'd like you to nominate uh, your top referees in the Premier League, please, uh, so that we can put together a poll for next week. We want to try and see, essentially, um, where they all stand, because we can add up the number of performances and the number of red and yellow cards issued and the number of times that we've maybe spoken about them on this podcast. Um, But it'd be interesting to see where... The consensus of the listeners is on this. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can do this. You can send uh, nominations in a tweet to at seen them given, uh, or you can send us an email. Hello at seen them given dot co uk. And uh, be interested to see where this goes, Coop.
1: Yes, um, I, I keep changing mine every five minutes, Mike. Uh,
0: <laughs> should, should we ask for a top three? Is that the best way to do this? Do you think? I'm just, I'm just thinking. I've got to add all these up next week.
1: I, I, I think. I think we should go uh, for top five. Okay. Um, I, I, and then I think the difficulty comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll
0: see where this gets to. Um, and uh, we'll chat on it uh, on the show next week. Uh, for now, though, thank you so much for your company, Keith. As always, thanks for, for your brilliant contributions. And uh, we will see you next time.